the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Let's jump in today. Uh, Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going. And then I'm going to give you these seven things, and uh, I'm not going to make it <laughs> go over into tomorrow. We're going we're gonna to get through these today in Jesus' name. We're going to get through these seven things. Um, but I definitely have something to show you from the Word of God. But here's what I want to start with, and I want you to, I want you to show me. Uh, Desiree, the, the text link is miracleword.com forward slash text. And the form is right there to add your info to uh, to my phone book. All right, so let's go into here. Matthew 25, you know this is the parable of the talents. And the master's getting ready to leave town and he gives talents to his servants. He gives five to one, he gives two to another, and he gives one to another. And this is, by the way, what the Bible says is, is based upon their previous abilities. He wasn't just sovereignly choosing to give one five, one two, and one one. It was based upon what they'd done for him in the past. Now they receive these talents from him and he's going away. And the Bible says that the one who had five, he actually created 10 with it. He multiplied it by investment. And then the Bible says the one who had two created four with his create an investment. And then the one who had one talent, he buried it in the ground. And when the master came back from his journey, he started to inspect his servants. And he said to the one who had five, love you, Jeremiah. He said to the one who had five, he said, well done. And he, and he had 10 and he presented the 10 to the master to the one who had two said the same thing. I want to stop right here and show you something interesting. Isn't it? This, this always strikes my spirit, even though the one started with five and the other started with only two, they both actually had the same level of increase on their work. Did you notice that? Even though they're at different levels of their service for the master, they both returned the same increase for the work they'd done for that master. One had five, but he turned it to 10. He doubled it for his master, but so did the other. He had two, turned it to four for his master. So understand they both had the same level of increase, even though they were at different levels of service and it's powerful thought. So you got to be faithful where you are. But then the one who had one, the Bible says he buried it in the ground and when the master came back and, and inspected his servant, he said, now this is, this is to me a very, very telling thing here. Uh, verse 25 of Matthew 25, the servant says, I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, take back what is yours. Verse 26, listen to this. But the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You see that? You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I don't, where I've not sown and gather where I've scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent, catch this now, take the talent from uh, him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. And here is the key that you've got to hear today. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he, uh, and he will have an abundance, but the one who doesn't have, even what he does have will be taken away from him. So I want you to see this with me today. It's very important that you check this out. The Bible says that the one who had 10, he actually inherited the talent of the one who hadn't produced anything. And the one who had the one, what he had was stripped, but notice the master, what he said to that servant regarding uh, his laziness. He said, you wicked and lazy servant, you wicked and lazy servant. So the first thing that you can see today is that God views laziness or a lack of increasing your gift as wickedness. I want you to write that in the comments. Those of you that are watching, wherever you're watching, I want you to put it in the comments. God views laziness as wickedness. God views lack of production as wickedness. He put that talent into the hand of that servant and expected production with that talent. 
You see that? He expected production with that talent. And so what did he do? Once he buried it in the ground and the master came back, there's my friend and my, my awesome cousin, Jonathan, I love you, man. Um, once he buried it in the ground and the master came back to inspect his servant. So catch this in your spirit. The master is always inspecting his servants. This is something that will keep you in a place where you keep pushing forward as often as possible, where you keep pushing forward as often as possible. Why? Because the master is always inspecting his servants. I feel the anointing on that. There's my friend Tony Jones out in California. Love you, bro. Listen, this is so important that you catch this. The master is always inspecting his servants. And those of you that are writing the comments, if you've already written God views laziness as wickedness, I want you to write this. The master is always inspecting his servants. The master is always inspecting his servants. And so when the master came back, he wanted to check out what the servants had been doing. And the Bible tells us that he was pleased with the first two servants because they had produced with what he had put in their hands. They, they had produced with what he'd put in their hands. One thing you need to remember always is that God has put something in your hands. God has put something in your hands without question. No matter who you are in the kingdom of God, there's nobody in the kingdom of God that is without purpose. This is so vital to catch this. There's no one in the kingdom of God who is without purpose. Nobody. In fact, the Bible says Paul was teaching the church. And Paul said, how, you know, because here's what happens many times is that people look at other people's purpose and they look at other people's calling and what other people are doing. And they think to themselves, well, I'm not them. I, I'm not doing what they're doing. I'm, I, you know, what I'm doing is meaningless. You know, the, the, the trap of comparison is a killer and the devil loves to make you compare yourself with somebody else. But that's why the Bible tells us if you compare yourselves among yourselves, you're not wise. It's a foolish thing to compare your gift, your calling, your talent with somebody else's. It's a foolish thing to compare your gift, your calling, your talent with somebody else's. God has called you specifically and put a talent in your hand specifically. So you can't compare that to what somebody else is doing or you'll get off track. Do what God's told you to do. And here's the thing is that Paul taught the church, he said, can, can my, you know, for example, he said, we're all members in particular of the body of Christ. So let me ask you the question. Can my ears say to my eyes, I don't need you? I mean, think about that in, in a logical way. Can your ears tell your eyes, we don't need you? No, because the ears can't do what the eyes can do. And the eyes can't do what the ears can do. Can my mouth say to my eyes, I don't need you? No, because my mouth can't see and my eyes can't eat or speak. So understand, you can't compare. So, well, I'm part of the body too. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. But my hands can't tell my feet we don't need you because I need my feet and my hands. You know, even if you are, I mean, you know, I tell people this in a, in a way that people, you know, they laugh, but I want you to think about this. If you think there really is, an insignificant part of your body. If you honestly think that there's an insignificant part of your body, then you know, say, so, well, you know, I don't, no one really needs their pinky toe. Well, when you're done with this broadcast today, take a hammer, put your foot against a cement pavement and smash your pinky toe until it falls off and see how much the rest of your body screams out. We need it. <laughs> you need it. There's no part of the body of Christ that's worthless. There's no part of the body of Christ that's useless. We all have a talent that the master has placed in our hand. And that talent is to be produced with, is to create increase in the kingdom of God. So no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, you've got to create value in the kingdom of God from what the master has put in your hand. And let me just encourage you, if nobody's encouraged you today or any other day, you are anointed. If you're part of the body of Christ, you are anointed by God. You carry the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You are anointed by God and you have a purpose. 
So don't ever look at yourself again in, in comparison to somebody else and say, well, I'm not them. I don't have what they have. I'll never, I'm not doing what they're doing. You're not called to do what they're doing. You, God didn't put that task in your hand. He put a specific task in your hand. And so you've got to do what he's called you to do. And so here's what I'm starting with today is that the master has given you a talent, but the master views laziness as wickedness. When there's a lack of production, God views that as wickedness because the kingdom of God is based upon increase. It's based upon increase. God's looking for increase for the rest of your life. You need to take a minute and share this. If you've not shared it yet, you need to, because this needs to be heard, especially in America, the American church. This needs to be heard in the American church that people need to know God is looking for production from his people. He's looking for production from his people. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter four and verse 18, that the path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more until the perfect day. So you understand that God's created a path for your life that is never ending increase. That's what God desires for you. That's actually what he set up for you. Never ending increase, never ending increase. There should never be a time in your life where you go backwards. There should never be a time in your life where you lose ground or when you, you know, God, God didn't create you to have up years and down years. God didn't create you. Well, this, this is, that's why it gets me so ticked off when you get on and you hear preachers get on. I came to tell somebody this is your season of favor is nonstop. If I'm in a season of obedience, then I'm always in a season of favor. Let me, uh, let me write, take you back to Psalm one, an old Testament promise. And by the way, we have a new covenant based upon uh, better promises. Listen to this. I want, I want you to hear what the Bible says in an old covenant context about God's children who are obedient to him. Number one, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now here's the blessing. Get ready for this. He's like a tree planted by streams of water hallelujah, that yields fruit in its season. And the new living says that yields fruit in every season and his leaves will never wither. And in all he does, he will prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In all that he does, he will prosper. My leaves, you you need to declare this today because it's God's plan for your life. My leaves will never wither. I'll bear fruit in every season and everything I do, I'll prosper. My leaves will never wither. I'll bear fruit in every season and in all that I do, I'll prosper. There's not a season of favor if you are an obedient member of the body of Christ. What do you think? There's seasons God wants you to be favored and then seasons he doesn't want you to be favored. You think that there's seasons that God wants to do something supernatural and then seasons that he doesn't want to do things supernatural in your life. He's your heavenly father who loves you and has a plan to take you into constant never-ending overflow and increase. His plan is to compound blessing on your life so hardcore that your children's children feel it. I want you to think about that. Think about that for a minute. He wants to compound blessing on your life so hard that your children's children feel it. (laughs) Generation. Let, let Let me just say it this way. This will blow your mind. David, who was king of Israel, this is something that always stirs my, stirs my faith. David, who was king of Israel, as he's serving the Lord, notice that when you serve the Lord, the Bible says God has a book of remembrance. That's found in the book of Malachi. God has a book of remembrance. He remembers what you do. God is actually keeping track. What did I say moments ago? The master is inspecting his servants. The master is inspecting his servants all the time. And so God's keeping track. That's why the Bible says there's a due season that if you keep working and don't faint, there's a time between what you sow and what you reap. So the Bible teaches us that uh, God keeps a book of remembrance and he's watching what his servants are doing. He's always watching what his servants are doing. 
And God's watching to see if your heart is turned toward him. And when it is, according to 2 Chronicles 16, 9, he will show himself strong and mighty on your behalf, without question. God's going to show himself strong and mighty on your behalf. But his plan is to take you into never-ending increase, always, always. And so King David, who had been serving the Lord, and yes, he'd made mistakes, but he'd gotten things right, he'd repented with God, and he, the longer, now this, this, this will get you, the longer he served God, the longer he pleased the Lord with what he did in his life and his actions, notice this, he continued to build up favor with God. He continued to build up favor with God to the point that if you then go to the book of, uh, I believe it's Second Kings, the nation of Israel is still calling out to God for help, even in a time where they shouldn't receive help from God because of their wickedness. And I love how God answers them. God actually says this. God says, I'm going to come through for you. I'm going to help you for my name's sake and for my servant David's sake. Now, this is going to blow your mind. But when God said that to a, a rebellious and wicked Israel that was in a crisis, he said, I'm going to bless you for my name's sake and for my servant David's sake. Think about this. David had been dead for about 309 years when God said that to them. David had been dead for about 309 years when God said, I'm going to bless you for David's sake, which means that David's life so pleased God that he stored up favor in heaven for next coming generations to the point that 300 years later after David's death, God was still pulling favors out of heaven and giving them to Israel for what David had done 300 years before. My goodness, man. You can store up favor for your family. You can store up favor for your children. It's not up year, then down year, then up year, then down year, then victory, then we go through struggle, then victory, then we're struggling, 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 three years of going backwards, and then two years going forwards. No, never-ending increase is your story in the mighty name of Jesus. Never-ending increase. Think about it in an old covenant context that God actually pulled favors out of heaven on David's behalf and gave them to Israel. I mean, think about how insane that is, is that David had pleased God. He said, he's a man after my own heart. He's a man after my own heart and pleased God. You think about the fact David's life was so powerful that a man who spent his entire life fighting until he was 70 years old, died at 70, not on the battlefield, died of old age. And I want you to think about this. A man that had fought since he was a young boy, fought wild animals, fought giants, not just Goliath, but if you read the scripture, David and his mighty men cleared out every other giant that was alive on the earth until they were extinct, killed giants, fought nations, fought his entire life. A man that should have died in battle died of old age. You know why? Because his life pleased the Lord. And do you know what's interesting about it? regarding the life of David, even in the times, you've heard me preach this before, but even in the times when enemies outnumbered him and were coming to destroy him, David understood how to leverage the heart of God and would begin to pray very interesting prayers because he'd, he'd say stuff like this. He'd say, God, my enemies have surrounded me. They've come to kill me. They're on every side, but I'm going to ask you a question, Lord. If they kill me, who will praise you? <laughs> And he would leverage the heart of God with a question like that. If they take your servant out, who's going to praise you? And then he'd say stuff like this. Can my dust praise you from Sheol? I don't think so. What he's saying to God is, it's in your best interest to keep me alive. Because as long as you keep me alive, I'll keep praising you. As long as you keep me alive, I'll keep worshiping you. My dust can't praise you, so keep me alive. And God said, you know what? That sounds like a pretty good deal. I'm going to come keep him alive. And he'd pray prayers like this, Lord, strike all of my enemies on the cheekbone and shatter the teeth of the wicked, Psalm 3. Well, you never heard God rebuke him for praying like that. He would just shatter the teeth of the wicked <laughs> because that's how God operated with David and with his children is that if you obey him, God will arise and his enemies will be scattered in Jesus' name. Psalm 68, one of my favorite verses of scripture, let God arise and his enemies be scattered in Jesus' name. 
Hallelujah. I want you to write it by faith in the comments. I want you to write this by faith today. Every enemy of my life is being scattered today in Jesus' name. Put it in the comments. Every enemy of my life is being scattered today in the mighty name of Jesus. I feel like saying it again. Every enemy of my life is being scattered today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Every enemy. Doesn't matter what it is. Sickness and disease, poverty and lack, depression and anxiety. Every enemy of my life is being scattered from my house today in the mighty name of Jesus. Declare it by faith, every person watching, and watch what God will do. So God has a gift that he's placed in your life that he wants to see increase on a daily, a weekly, a monthly, an annual basis. He wants you to increase. He does not want you. Let me, let me say this. God looks at maintenance mode and considers it to be wickedness. God doesn't, God's not calling you to throw your life into cruise control and, and, and to just cruise through life. No, he wants you to press forward and press for the increase that he's called you to have. He wants you to press for the increase. In fact, can I say this to you? Before we jump into these seven things, <laughs> which I'm hoping we're going to get through all seven, we're going to get there in Jesus' name. Uh, but, but think about this. Those of you that are just now logging on, please take a minute to share this broadcast. Very important today. But when what's interesting to me is that when they came to the end of David's reign, and it was coming for the time of Solomon's reign, his son, the Bible tells us something interesting, is that uh, the reason David could not build the temple of God is because God said he's, he'd shed too much blood in battle. He wasn't worthy to build it. And he had fought for his entire life. But God said, because you have fought and won for so many years, your son Solomon, will his reign as king will be in total peace. Think about that for a second. Think about that. He said, because you have fought for your entire reign and been victorious, your son Solomon his reign will be in total peace. So I want you to hear what I'm saying to you today is that you can win battles now by the power of God that your children will never have to face in Jesus' name. Things that you maybe you dealt with in your life, your children will never face those giants. You can win battles as David did that your children will never have to fight in the mighty name of Jesus. Maybe God brought you out of a place where things was, were sweeping through your family and sickness con continually swept through your family from generation to generation. And you hear people say stuff like, well, cancer runs in my family. Well, diabetes runs in my family. But you end that curse by the power of God now in this generation and you declare, though it may have run in my family before me, it comes to an end with me in Jesus' mighty name. Not only does it come to an end with me, my children will never know the taste of sickness and disease in the mighty name of Jesus. My, my children will never know the taste of poverty and lack in the mighty name of Jesus. My children will never know what it is to be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. My children will never know what it is to be in divorce in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. My children will never know what it is to be in overwhelming depression and anxiety in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever swept through your family before today, it comes to an end in Jesus' mighty name. It comes to an end in Jesus' mighty name. You can win battles by faith that your children will not have to fight. You can win it and cast that thing out of your house. And from this generation forward, it does not touch you again in Jesus' name. It does not touch you again in the mighty name of Jesus. And so that's how, how it works. You can literally win victories by faith for your family. You can win victories by, that's, that's what happened in my family. I mean, my grandfather, you know, God used him. He called him out of the darkness. Literally, there was, before him, there was nobody in our family like that that was preaching and in the ministry. He stepped out of darkness from whatever he was doing with his life before he got saved. And he was a rough guy. He was, he was, he was rough after he got saved, but he was a rough dude. And he came out of the darkness. God pulled him in. And, and understand, it changed the dynamic of our entire family. 
that whatever stuff was going on in the Shuttlesworth family before my grandfather's generation, it came to an end with him and his four sons that he had with my grandmother. His four sons are all preaching the gospel today. Every one of their children all preaching the gospel today. It started with one man, but he won battles for the next generation. And every generation, it continues to increase. And then his sons were on another level and are on another level. And they're winning battles and have won battles. And their children now get to be on another level because of the faithfulness of previous generations. You can win battles for the next generation. Your family does not have to struggle and struggle and struggle anymore. You can step up by faith and declare, this word is true. This word is life-giving. This word is the power of God on the written page that when it comes out of my mouth, in the same way that God's word accomplishes what it's sent to do, when I speak this word, it accomplishes what I send it to do, and it never returns empty, and it never returns void. It always prospers in the thing whereunto we've sent it. And so that's the key, is that you understand that God's put an anointing on your life. He's put an anointing on your life to win victories for the next generation. He's put an anointing on your life to win victories, for, not just for you, for your children, for your grandchildren. Remember this, that what you're doing right now as a believer is not just going to affect you. It's going to affect your children. It's going to affect your grandchildren and the rest of your generations after you in a positive way in Jesus' name. Not, not a negative way, in a positive way. Don't look at, see, here's one of the, uh, the, the mistakes we make as believers is that we look at our life as though it begins and ends with us, but it doesn't begin and end with us. It doesn't end because what we have taking place after us is just as important as what we have taking place to us, meaning that our life, if Jesus tarries and does not come back uh, in, you know, for another generation, which I don't believe we have that long, but if we did theoretically, then your children's generation need to have what you have. Your children's generation need to have what you have. They need to operate in the power that you operate in and in a greater measure. They need to increase to a greater measure. You know, it all, this, and I can tell this broadcast has gone off into a different direction, but I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit because that's what we do here. <laughs> but understand something is that um, it only takes one generation to lose what God has done. It only takes one. And that's why it's so dangerous for any of us to back off of what God's called us to do. I want you to think about it. God brought them into the promised land and he gave them an instruction. He said, when you get into the promised land, do not mate or, or form alliances or marry their women. Tear down their statues, tear down their altars, tear down their idols and have nothing to do with the pagan people that are there. But the Bible says they did not listen to the voice of the Lord. So when they went into the promised land, they actually ended up marrying some of those pagan women and they didn't tear down the statues and they didn't tear down the altars and they didn't tear down the pagan rituals and they didn't stop that from happening. And the Bible tells us something so interesting. It says, and the next generation rose up that did not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not that didn't serve him, didn't know him. I mean, think about that. The Bible, the Bible doesn't say they didn't serve him. Well, you know, we know about Jehovah. We just don't want anything to do with it. No, it says they didn't even know him. That's mind-blowing to me that one generation let it go. They didn't follow the instructions of God and just did whatever they felt like doing and let it go. And as a result, the next generation rose up that didn't even know God. You know, it didn't say that they had backed off and they'd become religious and, you know, they weren't filled with the spirit anymore. You know, I know it's Old Testament. I'm just making a point. But, you know, they backed off. And they, you know, they just weren't interested in going as often to church. And, you know, no, it says they, they rose up and didn't even know him, didn't even know who he was, didn't even know who he was. So there is a, a danger to let this go as believers and say, well, you know, they'll figure it out on their own. No, you're winning battles right now 
You're winning battles right now on behalf of the next generation. You are winning battles right now on behalf of the next generation. What you fight and win by faith, your children will never have to face in Jesus' name. What you fight and win by faith, your children will never have to face in Jesus' name. You know, one of the things I find very interesting is that when kids are growing up, hey, Anastasia, when kids are growing up, they're watching and seeing everything that you're doing, but not just what you're doing. They're watching how you're responding to the things that are happening in life. And you know, many, many times what we deal with, and Carolyn and I have dealt with this. We dealt with this even during the marriage series, talking about things that we experienced and learned growing up that become an expectation for us. So I'll give you that example that we were talking about when you get married the wife comes from a home and the husband comes from a home. And both of those individuals have preconceived expectations or ideas about what marriage should be like. So if you come from a home, let me just give you some very, very um, basic examples. If the wife comes from a home where after dinner, the husband and wife together take the dishes from the table, bring them over to the sink and wash the dishes together. And it's something they always do together. Then that wife comes into her marriage with an expectation. Well, that's just what two people who love each other do. They, they take the tasks and chores together and they do them together. Then the husband comes from a home where the couples didn't do that together. You know, the, the, the father went and did his thing and the mother cleaned up the table, whatever it might be. And so he's got no expectation for that. But understand when they come into that marriage, on, without, it, without speaking anything, without uh, making known their expectations, a preconceived idea, a preconceived uh, uh, expectation causes there to be friction. So what happens? Now the wife comes into the marriage expecting that to be the norm. And then the husband comes into the marriage clueless. He's not, he doesn't even know that's an expectation. And then there's friction and problems because of preconceived expectations and ideas. And that's the same thing that happens with your children. No matter what it is they're learning, whether it's how couples interact, whether it's how mom and dad respond to pressure, whether it's how mom and dad spend money, whether it's how mom and dad look at church, you understand, and view the things of God. And what happens is imprinted upon them and their little spirits is how they should grow up and react to church, how they should grow up and view the things of God, how they should grow up. If you, if you, uh, if you grew up and, and, and were told by your parents, well, you know, our family's never had anything. Our family's never had anything. We've never had two nickels to rub together. You know, life is hard, brother. Life is hard. That's just how life is. If you grew up hearing that, it creates an expectation in your heart that, well, your family shouldn't expect anything good to happen. Your family's never had anything good happen. Your family's always been broke. Your family's always been sick. Well, you know, it runs in our family. You know, there's a lot of sicknesses that just run in our family. You know, you hear people talk like that. What's happening is that in the negative way, you're preparing the next generation for battles that they shouldn't have to face and for defeats that they shouldn't have to face. And so now you've got next generation going out with a preconceived expectation. Well, my family doesn't have things. My family's always been broke, probably always will be. My family doesn't have good luck. I mean, that's the kind of stuff people talk about and say. Or if you grew up in a broken home and you, you always heard people, you know, or w women bashing men. Well, you know, men ain't no good. Men will leave you. Men won't come back. You know, men go out and they're, they're you know, and men are dogs. And you, what happens is, is you're, putting that seed into the spirit of the next generation and you're preparing them to grow up with a negative view of men, with a negative view of relationship, with a negative view of marriage, rather than as a believer, if there's been a, an attack against your life, you don't let that attack define your life. In fact, those of you that are watching, I want you to put this in the comments today. No attack will define my life. Pop that in the comments. No attack will define my life in Jesus' name. No attack of the devil will define my life. I want you to pop that in, ASAP. Here's the thing. If you allow the devil, he will change the course of your life, change the direction of your life by the attacks that he brings. He has a plan, just in the same way that God has a plan for your life, 
The devil has a plan for your life. And he has a plan to use these things, these attacks, to shift your focus and to shift your path into the place that he wants you to be. But no attack will define my life in Jesus' mighty name. No attack will change my path in Jesus' mighty name. No attack, no attack. That's exactly right. Write it in Instagram, write it on Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. No attack will define my life in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, I will overcome every attack in Jesus' mighty name. I will overcome every single attack in the mighty name of Jesus. Nothing that comes against me will destroy me. Nothing that comes against me will take me out. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, no attack will destroy my life. Amen. Amen. No attack will destroy my life. And that's the key. So you have to stand by faith and declare, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And service to the Lord means you're going to reap the benefits of being a servant of God, which I read to you earlier from Psalm chapter one. You'll be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water and that will bear fruit in every season. Your leaves will never wither and you will prosper in all you do. That's going to be your story. That's going to be the story of your children. That's going to be the story of your grandchildren in the mighty name of Jesus. No attack will destroy your life or define your life. But what will define your life is the mighty word of God. This word is taking you into overwhelming victory. It's taking you into overwhelming victory by the power of God. And when when you understand, I have an anointing to overcome. Amen. I have an anointing to overcome. That's another declaration I would love you to make right now in the comments section. I have an anointing to overcome. Please put that in the comments and believe it. That's something you need to write on a piece of paper if you've got to, hang it on your fridge, put it in the car, put it on the mirror in the bathroom. I'm anointed to overcome. Amen? I'm anointed to overcome. You are. You are. You're not, you're not supposed to be destroyed. You're not called to be destroyed. You're anointed to overcome by the power of God. And that's the key. That's the key. Um, I love the verse of scripture. I quoted it yesterday. That's found in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 57. The Bible says, thanks be unto God who always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be unto God who always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 15 and 57. Paul said that. Thanks be unto God. Amen. That's right. Write it. Kelly, Karen, Lynn, Judy, Nicole, Lil's Gem. <laughs> Amen. Heather, Christy, I am anointed to overcome. I'm anointed to overcome. Thanks be unto God who always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's never a time you don't have the victory. There's never a time that you don't have the victory. In Jesus' name, you're victorious. Amen. And as a servant of God, and don't worry, I am going to give you those seven things. I'm not going to let the broadcast come to an end and not give them to you. Hallelujah. Because you are anointed... Because you are a servant of God, you have the ability to increase in every area. You've got the ability to increase in every area. So some of the things that I may give you may seem very practical, but you know what? The, the majority of God's word is practical. The entire book of Proverbs is practical. Something doesn't always have to be a spiritual revelation to cause you to grow. God has practical things that he tells his, his children to do that if they'll do them, they'll be victorious. They'll be victorious. So I want to give you these seven things because as I started the broadcast with, you are a servant of God that God expects to see increase and bring to, the, to next levels. And so I want to give you these seven things quickly and you can write them in the comments as you follow me along. And uh, I'm going I'm to break them down and maybe talk briefly about each one because I know our time is shorter now. But I want you to hear this because it's very, very powerful and you will go to the next level in Jesus' name. In fact, you heard me prophesy. 
If you were online with us during the Washington, Pennsylvania meeting at Cannonsburg uh, at uh, Champion Christian Center, then you'll know what, I, what you heard the Lord say, that September through December are going to be four months of an on-ramp into 2020, that our momentum will build, we're going to go quicker than we've ever been, and by the time we hit January 1, 2020, we'll already be in full speed of what God's called us to do for the new year. And I believe that wholeheartedly wholeheartedly. So get ready to ramp up in the final months of this year. Don't plan to slow down. Don't plan to throw it into cruise control. Don't plan to back off and take it easy. It's time to push for the greatest things you've ever seen in your life. So as a servant of God, we are called to produce on behalf of the kingdom of God. And our gift that we've been given, we're called to increase that gift steadily until Christ returns. Let me give you seven things quickly that'll help you. Number one, Number one, schedule your increase. Schedule your increase. I want you to put that in as number one. Schedule your increase. What do I mean by that? Well, only you know at this moment, I can't tell you by looking at, the, looking at who's on, but only you know what your gifting is. Only you know what your talent is that God's placed in your hands, whatever it might be. I know there's people that are watching me that you're musicians, that you use your gift as a musician for the kingdom of God. You may use it at your local church. You're a worshiper, a worship leader, and, uh, and, and possibly uh, you're a singer, whatever it might be. And so you know what your gift is, that God's the talent God's placed in your hand. So when I say schedule your increase, you know, if I use that as an example, I've seen so many people that have a talent or a gifting from God that they never hone that talent. They never hone that thing. And so one of the keys to hone that talent and is to schedule the time to do it. You know, it's interesting. I was reading about people that write professionally, authors, you know, whatever. And one of the things that's very interesting to me is that people like authors and pro professionals of any kind, they will spend time daily doing the thing that they are gifted or talented with. So if, you, if you've made up in your mind, I'm going to be an author in the kingdom of God. I'm going to be somebody that writes on behalf of the kingdom. I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to be a singer. Whatever it is God's talented you and gifted you to do, you make up your mind. I'm going to take daily time to hone that gift. I'm going to take daily time to mature that gift. And if it's a priority to you, understand it should be. Because as I, as I spent the whole beginning of this broadcast saying that it's important to understand God views laziness as wickedness. God views a lack of increase as wickedness. So if your gift and talent he's placed in your hands not increasing, God's not pleased with that. So what am I going to do? I'm going to spend time on a daily basis increasing that gift. I'm going to spend time. And here's the thing, as I've said many times before on the broadcast, is that you've got to prioritize the most important things of your day and make sure they happen. I don't care how busy my day gets. I'm going to pray during my day because prayer is more important than a meeting. Prayer is more important than a phone call. You understand? So I'm going to prioritize it. I'm going to make sure that it gets done. Okay, so you're scheduling your increase. Number one, I'm going to put time. If you got to put it on your calendar like it's a uh, uh, like it's an appointment, you have an appointment with yourself, and I'm taking this time, and I'm going to. I don't care if it's 30 minutes a day. I don't care if it's an hour a day. I'm going to sit down and play my instrument and get better. I'm going to sit down and sing and warm up my voice and get better. I'm going to sit down and write and get better. Whatever it is, I'm scheduling it. I'm making sure that my gift. My talent will be developed today. My gift, my talent will be developed today. Number two, find a way to stretch yourself. I always find this to be a, a, a huge thing that people don't do. Find a way to stretch yourself. Do things that you don't think you can do. That takes faith to do that. Do things that you don't think you can do. You know, when I was a younger uh, kid and I really loved basketball, and love playing basketball, I wanted to get better at playing basketball. So what did I do? Well, if I was 16 years old playing, I didn't go down to the local uh, kindergarten court and, and try to get a pickup game with a bunch of five-year-olds as a 16-year-old. Say, hey, let's go, guys. I'm going to take every one of you. To the no, it's like, it's not going to help me. You know why? I'm already far better than them. But what did I do? I remember before I felt old enough, mature enough to do it, I would go down to the court where, where, where the big guys were playing, guys that were 18, 19, 20, 
21, 25 men. And I was only a young teenager. And I can remember going down there and thinking like, man, uh, it's intimidating to like play with, with those guys. They play rough. They play hard. But if I'm going to get stronger, if I'm going to get better, I have to be able to take something on that I don't even think I can do in order to get better. Because the Bible says, and this is a, a very loose translation of this, but as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I don't need people around me that don't sharpen me. I need people that do. And part of the thing, part of the way that you can do that is to set yourself up to do something and accomplish something that you don't think you can do, that you don't think you can accomplish. You know, I remember when I, when I wrote the, my, the first book that I ever wrote, it was here in the studio, Praise, Laugh, Repeat which I'm giving to everybody this, this month that sows a seed into this ministry, $100 or more, we're sending a signed copy to you. But I remember the first time when I wrote, wrote my first book, I knew I wanted to be an author, but I thought to myself, man, I don't know if I could write like a whole book. Like it, it was intimidating. It was intimidating to sit down and think, man, you know, 240 pages, 224 pages, whatever. I don't know that I could write out a whole book. You know, I might be able to do like a mini book or a pamphlet. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know that I'll have enough material to do a, a whole book like that. And it, it was a massive challenge to my spirit. But I knew by faith God had put a word in my heart for this generation. And I sat down and took something on that I didn't know if I'd be able to even complete. Didn't even know if I'd be able to complete it. But I said, you know what? I'm going to find a way to stretch my faith, stretch myself. I know God's told me to do it. I know he's put a word in my spirit. I All that. I know it. All that it takes is now for me to step out and stretch myself by faith and do something that I don't even know if I can do it. Number three is a very important thing. Uh, and and I, would, I would say it this way. Number three, take small bites. Put that down. Take small bites. That's number three. So what do you do when God gives you a plan? You know, people get the reason some people don't ever get involved with what God's called them to do is because it's, it's very overwhelming to them. They think about, man, all that stuff that I've got. I was just talking to somebody the other day, literally, uh, like two days ago. And they're like, man, I know all that God's called me to do and told me to do. And it just seems like so much. That was their words to me. It just seems like so much. And when you try to look at everything that God has called you to do from beginning to end, it might seem and feel overwhelming. But what is number three? Take small bites. What does that mean? It means that you go little by little, little by little. You're faithful little by little. The Bible says if you're faithful over a little, he'll make you ruler over much. If you are faithful over a little, he'll make you ruler over much. You know, it's, it, the, the thing is, you get started with it. Just get started with it. Just decide that I'm going to start doing this. I'm, I don't know what, it, I'll, I'll, find, I'll break it down. And with, even with the smallest thing, I'll just, I'm just going to start doing it. I'm going to launch into this task. You know, you think about this. Back when they used to build massive cathedrals, you know, it's interesting. If you looked at a cathedral like that, you think to yourself, man, that thing is, I was just in New York City. And um, what is the one down there on Fifth Avenue? St. Patrick's Cathedral. I was just in New York City on Fifth Avenue and saw St. Patrick's Cathedral. And that thing is a marvel. It's just like, it's gorgeous. There's several cathedrals right in New York City. There's several in Boston. You, you sit there and you look at them and you think to yourself like, this thing is insane. It's insane. It's gorgeous. It's massive. It's intricate. And you think to yourself like, if I, if I had to sit here and try to build this, I, I, I mean, like it, it's got to be overwhelming. And back in the day when they used to build it, 1700s, 1600s, 1800s, you know, it would take decades to put a building like that together. But what did they do? They got started. Do you realize there were even people that would give money for the building of that cathedral that would not even be alive when the cathedral was finished? Think about that. Sowing seeds into something that you'll not even see the full fruit of. But what did they do? They got started. They began to do what they could when they could. They started laying a foundation. They started putting in stone by stone. They added the cornerstone. You see what I'm saying? So a cathedral looks, I mean, it's amazing when it's finished. But when you look at it and realize they laid this thing stone by stone. And what stones are you laying today? Take small bites. Everybody in our generation wants things to happen quick, overnight. Take small bites. 
I'm not saying God won't give you violent increase. I'm not saying that you won't see momentum. I'm preaching that you will, but you've got to get started doing what God's called you to do. You know, if you've got, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's funny, you know, you're sitting there thinking like, well, I know God's called me to start a business. Okay. Well, what are you doing? What are you doing to start it for the kingdom? Have you even gotten your business license yet? Have you even filed? Have you even gotten an LLC put together yet? Have you done anything? Do the small things. Have you opened a bank account in the name of the business? I mean, like small things. Get started somehow. Do it. Do the things you can do today. Make it happen. God's anointed you to do it, but you've got to begin. You by faith, you step out and you take small bites. Number four deals more with the education to be able to do it. The Bible says that, um, you know, the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He teaches us all things. So number four, I want you to write this in the comments, comment section. The fourth way is to use the tools at your disposal. That's a great scripture, Deuteronomy 7.22. Perfect scripture. Drive out the nations little by little. And that's actually, if people don't know, when they took the promised land, they didn't take it all at one time, by the way. And that scripture that he's referring to, I don't know if that's he, she, I'm not sure who that is. Um, drive out the nations little by little. They took the promised land in portions. But number four, did you get it? Use the tools at your disposal. Use the tools at your disposal. It's easier than ever now. It's easier than ever to do the things or learn the things that God's called you to do. Easier than ever. It's very easy. We have things, I mean, YouTube is one of the, one of the greatest uh, tools that we could ever have. You can literally learn anything you want to learn, let alone ask.com or askvideo.com, macprovideo.com, alinda.com, masterclass.com. There's so many resources for you to learn anything that you want to learn. And then as you're learning, as you're teaching yourself, as you're moving further, the Holy Spirit is your teacher and he teaches you all things. You have the mind of Christ and you've got the ability to retain all knowledge. I'm telling you, I'm a living testimony of that. Literally everything that God's ever anointed me to do, I've had no schooling to do it other than I went to Bible school to become a minister. But other than that, to play the keyboard, I've had no training to do graphics design, web design, video production. I've had no training it's been the Holy Spirit teaching me, showing me. I gave the um, I gave the uh, the testimony about our friend Ashley, Ashley and Ted. The Lord taught her how to do day trading and taught her about the stock market. She's had no schooling on that. Sitting there making those gains, making those profits on a daily basis. That's the Holy Ghost. He teaches you all things. Use the tools at your disposal and don't be lazy. Number five, very important. Log every performance. This is so huge. You can't even know if you're increasing if you don't see where you've been. That's why it's a good idea to have a before and after screenshot for yourself. A before and after. Where have I come from? What have I accomplished? It's also encouraging to know I'm making progress on the, in the kingdom of God. I'm doing what God's called me to do. So number five, log your performances. Make it keeping, whether however you have to do it. If you keep a journal, I'm sure a lot of people on here keep a journal. Many people keep things written in their phone. Other people, you know, you may use an app of some sort, but keep a record. Keep a record of what's going on in your life. Figure out where was I, where am I now, where am I going? Where was I, where am I now, where am I going? Three places you've got to be able to log. Where was I? What did I look like when I started this? How did it seem when I started this? See, because the, the, it almost makes me think of those, um, you know, when you have children, maybe you do this with your kids, you live in a house and, and you have kids stand up against the door jam or whatever, and you take a pencil and you mark, you know, their height at, you know, during a certain date throughout each year or whatever, you, you mark their height. And you can go back and look at that thing and say, look at this on this day. Look how tall Maddie was. This was just a year ago. Look how much she's grown in a year. And you mark those heights. Well, the reason you do it that way is because when you're around somebody every single day, just like if you're around yourself, you don't notice the increase as somebody else would. It's like when you used to go to visit your family that lived far away and you'd only see them like once a year and they'd always be like, oh, look how big you've gotten. Well, you don't notice it because you see yourself in the mirror every day. But when they see you after having not seen you for a year, they see the increase 
that's been in your life. And so the same thing is true. If you don't log every performance, you can't, number one, know where did I start? Number two, where am I now? See, that's an encouraging thing to look at where you were and where you are now. And then finally, where am I headed? You have a vision for the future. This is where I was. I'm not there anymore. This is where I am currently. It's encouraging to see the increase, but I've got further to go. That's where I'm headed. That's where I'm headed. Number six, I touched on this briefly, but surround yourself with people who push you. Surround yourself with people who push you. That's why I I value my friends in the ministry very much. People that I I allow into my life, people that I, I choose to have in my life, I do it very purposefully because I want people, number one, that are going to encourage me, but I want people that are also going to push me to go further, not tell me to lay off, lay back. That's why I keep people of faith around me, not people that just, you know, are are drifting through their call, drifting through their life. I want people that are going to push me into the purpose God's placed upon my life. I need that. And so do you surround yourself, not with doubters, not with unbelievers, not with haters, not with people that tell you it can't be done. Surround yourself with people who believe in you as much as you do. That'll always give you an encouraging word that will always lift you up. I always like to think about the man in the Bible who was paralyzed, but had friends that were able to grab the corners of his mat and take him to where Jesus was. And when they took him to where Jesus was and found out they couldn't get him in the building, they went on the roof, which means the man didn't just go to the next level. All of his friends were willing to go to the next level in order to get him a miracle. That's who I need in my life. And so do you is people who push you, people who push you. And then finally, and this might seem uh, elementary to you, but you'd be surprised about how few people do it. Number five, or excuse me, number seven is ask God for increase. Nothing wrong with that. Ask God for increase. He wants to increase you. And by the way, he's the only one that can bring increase. The Bible says in Psalm 75 verses six and seven, Promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south, but promotion comes from the Lord and he decides who will rise and who will fall. Number seven, ask God for increase. Let me read you the book of James chapter one and look what the Bible says. James chapter one, verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. You see that? And it will be given to him. It will be given to him. And so I want you to catch this today is that you can ask God for increase, especially if you, I mean, if you're obeying his word, if you're doing everything that he's asked you to do, if you're obeying his plan for your life, ask him for increase. I mean, how is it possible that Jabez was able to ask God for increase in an old covenant? I mean, the book of Chronicles actually pauses the lineage that it's describing in order to give us a small picture of a man who asked for God's increase. Oh, that that would increase me, enlarge my borders, all that. And God gave it to him. He answered his prayer. Remember when that was the very famous book that was out, the prayer of Jabez, everybody was reading it. But, you know, you understand, God didn't rebuke him for asking. He just enlarged his borders, gave it to him. You can ask God. That was under an old covenant with promises that don't equal what we have today. You can ask God for increase and God will answer your prayer when you're obeying what he's asked you to do. And so these seven things are so vital because number one, you have a gift. You have a purpose. You have an anointing and you're called to produce with it. You're called to go further than you've ever been before. And this right here, will take you into the next level. I promise you that. And we're in that time. It's time, as God said, the final four months of this year, press in. Press in to go further. He he has a momentum that we're jumping into. We're not gonna stop. We're not gonna stop. It's gonna get better and better and better. We're gonna go faster and faster, and we're gonna take new territory for the kingdom of God, no matter what it is. If it's in your business, your ministry, doesn't matter. Whatever gift, talent God's placed in your life, you are anointed to increase. Hallelujah. You are anointed to increase. Let me pray for those of you that are watching today. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every person watching me today, live or on the replay, or maybe you're listening to me 
on the podcast and you're, you're, you're hearing what we're preaching and you're believing for increase, I pray now in Jesus' name that the windows of heaven would open over every person watching in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, whatever walls were holding them back from going where you've called them to go and accomplishing what you've called them to accomplish, I pray that by your supernatural power, you'll destroy every barrier that's holding them back from their increase. Lord, open doors. I pray, Lord, you that hold the key of David, that opens doors that no man can shut, that you would open doors for them today in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your mercy today in the mighty name that's above every name. And we give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, let me encourage you, those of you that are watching, wherever you're watching from, I'm gonna ask you at the end of this broadcast because we're gonna send you this this book, Praise, Laugh, Repeat. I'm gonna make it out to you. But I want you to take a step of faith because here's the thing. As somebody who's believing for increase, remember this for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter how much of a vision for increase that you have if you don't have the resources To go with your increase, you can't sustain your increase. Think about this. It doesn't matter how much increase comes into your life. If you don't have the resources to sustain it, then your increase, your promotion cannot be sustained. God has a plan to not only take you to another level, to let you prosper at that level, to let you overflow at that level. How does it come? It always begins by sowing a seed of faith by keeping yourself in a place where you have harvests that are constantly coming back to you. And so we're gonna pray one more time, but I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you to sow as a seed. It's time to release something from your hand that's gonna cause you to go to another level financially. Don't, listen, don't end this year in a place of not enough. Don't end this year in a place where you're struggling to make ends meet or to get by. End this year in the overflow. You know, I believe that what the Lord spoke to us in Washington, it doesn't just have to deal with our purpose and our and, and our calling and our anointing. It also has to do with our finances, that God has a plan to quickly increase us financially before the new year begins. I'm not waiting until the new year starts to receive my increase. I'm not waiting until the new year starts to receive my overflow. I'm going to the next level before I hit January 1, and I'll be ready to run by the time I get there. That's God's promise. And so I want to encourage you to sow a seed. Father, speak to every man and woman. Give them an instruction in their spirit as to what they're to sow today. We're taking your instruction at face value and we will see the harvest come in from our obedience in Jesus' mighty name. Here's what I want you to do. Those of you that are watching, if you're on Facebook or if you're on Periscope, you can put hashtag donate in the comments section and you can sow a seed right in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube or Instagram and you'd like to sow, you can do one of three things. You can go to miracleword.com and you can sow right on the give page. If you'd like to give by PayPal, you like to use that method to give, our PayPal address for the Miracle Word Ministries is info at miracleword.com, info at miracleword.com. Or you can use Cash App, which is dollar sign miracle word to sow a seed via uh, Cash App. And uh, we accept all, all of those payments as well. But sow a seed. If you're listening to this, by the way, on the podcast, all of those things that I just said are linked in the description at the bottom of the podcast. And you can click the description open and click whichever method you'd like to use. I wanna say thank you to every person that's sowing seeds. I'm telling you, God has a plan to bless you. And for every person that sows $100 or more in the month of September, we're gonna be sending you the book, Praise, Laugh, Repeat. I'm gonna make it out to you and your family just to say thank you. I love you guys so much and appreciate you. Tomorrow is the day. Carolyn is back with us on the broadcast. By the way, it's good to see everybody on Instagram for, uh, for the first day of our broadcast on Instagram. I jumped on late last night and just did a little bit of uh, a piano playing on Instagram Live. So uh, just testing it out. Thank you, Bonnie. And if you'd, by the way, Bonnie brings up a good point. If you'd like to sew via a check, the address is on the bottom of the website in the footer, miracleword.com, P.O. Box 65116, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23467. It's on miracleword.com at the very bottom. Um, But 
Welcome to everybody for the first day on Instagram. I love you. Welcome to everybody on Periscope, if anybody's still even using that platform. But I figured it's there. Might as well uh, make use of what's there. YouTube, love you. Listen, if you guys have not gotten a chance yet to subscribe to the YouTube channel, let me encourage you to do that. You can search my name, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. You'll see the channel that has 100 plus videos. I think it's like 13 and a half thousand subscribers. There is another one, but it's not me. It's like a fake and I've been trying to get it shut down anyway. Um, <laughs> if you would subscribe, I'd appreciate it very much. We have new videos coming out all the time and we're getting ready to put new types of content out, which is going to be awesome. So I'm very excited about it. Tomorrow's the day. Question and answer. By the way, if you guys want to send your questions early, you can do that on Instagram. You can do it on Twitter. You can send us an email or a text message. And um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to having Carolyn back on. Thank you guys also for uh, for hounding her on, on social until she came back. <laughs> but anyway, we will be back tomorrow at 10.30 a.m. together. And then I leave Saturday. I'll be in Indiana for the entire week in Evansville and Hobart, Indiana. If you're anywhere close, come and join me. Uh, all the details are at miracleword.com. And you can click on the schedule page, get all the details, the times, the days, the locations. And it'll be great to see you. I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging with me today. I really do appreciate it. And um, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's question and answers. Uh, I always enjoy doing those. But we love you guys. And uh, I'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.